welcome back to the Sick of It podcast. Today we spoke to dietitian and owner of Savvy Dietics, Savita. We discussed her health journey from patient to practitioner, as well as a bit about nutrition and patient advocacy. I hope you enjoy. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm just trying to get through admin today, which is always fun. Um, <laughs> and no, I had a good weekend though, like had a good couple of days to switch off and went away yesterday and went climbing, which is always nice. Um, like Playing around in the nature, in the bush, the naturally climb. Yeah, no, how about you? Yeah, I'm good. I've got, I'm trying, I'm starting a new job next week. And it's full time. So I've got like four interviews this week. I'm trying to like record them all so they're all ready. So I can hopefully still do an episode a week. That's a lot. Yeah, I started listening to your episode with Michelle um, this morning and yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Thank you. So to start, can you give us some background on your health journey? Yes. So I was only actually very recently diagnosed with hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, but I guess, you know, many of us with these conditions, um, my health journey started a lot earlier. So really from the age that, you know, even from when I was like, you know, six months, one year old, I had quite a few different health symptoms, which didn't really seem to line up. So I'd always pick up infections, have, you know, double gluea. Um, and then as a kid, I had lots of problems with just general low immunity and, you know, fatigue, gut issues. And I guess that kind of all culminated uh, to a point where when I was around 13 years old, ended up doing some exclusion diets through a nutritionist and found out that I was gluten and dairy free. That really helped. So everything ticked along okay for a bit longer until I got to my second year of uni where I burnt out. And at that point, that's when a lot of those more typical Ehlers-Danlos type symptoms started to show up for me. Um, I started experiencing a lot more POTS symptoms, so postural orthostatic, orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, um, problems with you know heart rate, a bit more dizziness, more gut issues, and also chronic fatigue along with that. So I had to take a year out, try and figure everything out, undergo you know seeing so many different health professionals and trying to find a way forward on my journey which um, I didn't get diagnosed with EDS then, but I certainly found out a lot more about chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and IBS. And then it wasn't really until recently that I started working with clients with EDS that I realized, oh, I actually probably have this condition. And so I went to a rheumatologist back and forth for a bit, but eventually got diagnosed. So I guess that brings us to where I am now. So you kind of discovered EDS by yourself. It wasn't brought up to you by a practitioner at all? No, no. I actually found out through EDS through one of my childhood friends. So when I was oh, probably in year six, so um, however many years that old is, um, one of my very close friends got diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So, and I remember, you know, going to the computer and Googling it. And a lot of those symptoms were quite similar to what my mom was experiencing. So I did have an appreciation and knowledge then that, you know, this was likely running in my family and that my mom was experiencing it, but we didn't really join those dots until pretty recently that that's the condition that I could have. And even throughout our friendship, I didn't really, you know, realize that, you know, I could have the same condition that she had because we presented in quite different ways. Like many of those hypermobility conditions, you know, some people experience symptoms um, more with their joints and dislocations and others experience more 
of those, you know, fatigue, gut issues and other sorts of autonomic nervous system symptoms. And did you have a pretty smooth diagnosis process or did you kind of struggle to be believed? <laughs> Uh, definitely struggled. So I was, I saw a rheumatologist when I first burnt out, uh, probably when I was around 18, 19. And after a bit of back and forth with her, she did diagnose me with a connective tissue disorder. So we got in the right ballpark, but it was just with an autoimmune undifferentiated connective tissue disorder. So I didn't really meet any of the criteria for it. I didn't really have any positive antibodies, but she wasn't too sure what to do. So I had that diagnosis. Um, and that was quite problematic because then the, as with many no medicine things, if you have this condition, you get X, Y, Z treatment. So the treatment plan from that actually made my health worse rather than better. So, um, you know, after that, after we figured that out, um, recorrected those bits and found, I found a path with treatments that did suit me more. But, um, you know, recently when I did go back to a rheumatologist that even had a bit of back and forth then, because um, I ticked all of the boxes for hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos, but I was one point short and that point was getting my mother diagnosed. So it actually took her going to the rheumatologist, getting diagnosed and then me going back. So, um, which of course, you know, adds financial strain and takes a bit longer. Yeah, it's not the most fun process. No. Is it? Especially since there's not an actual test, like it would be just be so easy if you could just do a test and then it goes yes or no, but unfortunately that's probably a while away. Fingers crossed for the future. That would be so yes. much easier or even just some more awareness. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, is all of this what made you want to become a dietitian? I guess so. Yeah. Um, because I guess the way that Ehlers-Danlos affects me is, or the thing that impacted me the most when I was younger was gut symptoms. And I think it was going through that process of understanding my gut symptoms and in particular, finding a practitioner who actually explained what was going on in my body, had longer consults and took the time to listen to me and then explain things in language that as a child, I found really engaging and understood. And that practitioner is who really inspired me to become a dietitian because I thought, oh, you know, this it's made such a massive impact on my life. And, you know, I found it so fascinating. I've always loved science that, um, you know, I thought, oh, I actually really want to do that as a career and learn about more about nutrition. So uh, that's what made me want to then enroll in a degree for nutrition and dietetics. And what's kind of the process to become a nutritionist? Just the degree? Yeah. So nutritionists and dietitians, they're different terms. So nutritionist, mm -hmm. anyone can call themselves nutritionist, but a university qualified nutritionist, that's a three-year university degree. With dietetics, it's a four-year degree. So we do do a lot of the same subjects as nutrition science, but we also do more subjects to be able to work one-on-one -on -one with clients um, in various different settings. So whether that's hospital, community projects, um, hospital food services and more. So, um, and we also do placements. So we do a year of placements as well. Yep. So you have to go through that process. And then at the end of that four-year degree, or I actually took six years because I did a couple of years part-time, um, you can enroll with Dietitians Australia and then you're qualified as a dietitian. And how greatly do you think that nutrition can impact someone's health? Because I know before I started seeing you, I was kind of like, oh, well, I don't really know what the point is going to a dietitian. Like, I don't feel like it's going to actually change that much or impact me that much. But now I know seeing you, that's not true. Um, but like, what type of impact can that make on someone? Food is broken down into nutrients and nutrients are the things that facilitate every reaction going around our body. So if we're not digesting our food correctly, we're not going to be absorbing those nutrients that do everything in our body. And we're not going to be keep able to keep up 
um, with our nutrition requirements and help our body function to the best it can. So particularly any sort of chronic illness, we're going to have changes in digestion and you know the amount of nutrients that we require. So working on having a tailored diet and making sure that you're meeting your nutrition needs, but in the way that's easiest for you can have an absolutely massive impact on all of your symptoms. So whether it's just how your gut's feeling to headaches and migraines, um, pain, fatigue, sleep, uh, energy levels, pretty much um, most areas it can affect. Um, and particularly with connective tissue disorders, you know, connective tissues found all over our body. So that we're going to have impacts all over our body. And particularly in that gut, the, you know, how stretchy our connective tissue is can then really impact digestion too. So managing those symptoms can help people feel a lot better. And I know that was certainly the case for me as well. And do you think that we sometimes overlook nutrition as a treatment option for those with chronic illness? Yes, certainly. <laughs> well, I guess in the first place, dietetics at the moment is a bit of a smaller field and it is more newly emerging than other allied health fields. So I think we're still building up the number of practitioners who do help people with chronic illness. But then I think also because we're still building up, um, it's not always one of the first things that other health professionals and doctors think to refer to when you know clients do have gut issues and other symptoms going on as well. Um, so it's quite common to refer to gastroenterologists. And I think it's very important that people do get checked out by a gastroenterologist to make sure there aren't, isn't any, you know, underlying pathology or there's things that they can help with to correct. But even just for general day-to-day -day meal planning, for looking at nutritional supplementation, if that's appropriate and other areas, dietitians can really help. I think if there was a more accessible dietitians and B, you know, more referral and more awareness around dietetics, then, um, you know, that could really help. And as a dietitian, do you feel like doctors kind of overlook your profession or don't take it seriously? Because I've seen a couple of doctors since I started seeing you and I'll mention you, oh, my dietitian said this and they're like, oh, you mean nutritionist or you mean naturopath? And I'm like, no, she's a dietitian. <laughs> they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, yeah, she's a dietitian. I don't know. As soon as I mention dietitian, they just get really weird about it. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I've certainly experienced that. I remember more so on placement working in um, hospitals. I mean, there's a lot more, you know, you know, growing appreciation of dietetics, but in some fields, um, you know, we're not taken as seriously, I guess. And, you know, that's a real shame. That's mm. um, really a shame because there's so much that we can help with. And, you know, something like meal planning sounds quite simple, um, and, you know, potentially if you're reacting to foods, doing a bit of an elimination diet, but it can help so much, even just having the space when we're brain fogged and tired to sit down with someone and actually nut out what that means and what that looks like and, you know, other approaches too. I mean, you'd think they'd be kind of happy because, you know, there's so many elements to the body and to your health with someone like a who has a chronic illness, you kind of may need a team of people and you think they'd be happy that you have a person looking after your diet and you have them and you have someone else, but I don't know, for some reason they get quite funny about it. I guess where that could come from is there is a bit of a stigma sometimes that with nutritionists, particularly those that aren't university qualified and perhaps have just done a short online course or some naturopaths who don't practice properly, you know, providing incorrect dietary advice or, you know, that, um, you know, I've heard a lot of lots of clients who have gone to these health professionals or other health professionals and, you know, had to spend $400, say, on a lot of supplements or, um, you know, so on and so forth, which, you know, might not necessarily take them forward. 
And I guess, you know, over time, some doctors have seen that. And so they kind of lump us in that bucket as well, which, um, you know, there's amazing naturopaths out there. There's amazing nutritionists out there. But um, unfortunately, probably that stereotype and stigma might just be transferred onto us as well. But what I'm hoping as well is that, um, you know, the younger doctors who are coming through do have a growing appreciation of nutrition because nutrition is a fairly recent field. If we think about, for example, how long we've heard the term gut microbiome for, um, or, you know, gut health, you know, those things have only been around for the last, you know, 10 years, maybe 15 years max. So I'm hoping that over time, that appreciation will just continue to increase and increase. And because you have EDS and you specialize particularly in EDS and hypermobility, how do you think being a more specialized dietitian helps your patients? Yeah, so I think something that clients with EDS and all of those associated conditions really struggle with is finding health practitioners that they don't have to educate. So I know as someone with EDS, it's quite common, you know, to go to a practitioner who I've maybe not scoped out as well as I should have, and to then spend half the time just explaining my conditions and symptoms. So I guess having EDS, working with a lot of clients with EDS, POTS and MCAS, and, you know, even gut issues and um, chronic fatigue, I understand a little bit of what they're going through, but I also understand the medical side as well. So I guess it can be a huge relief if clients don't have to explain all of those things. You actually get a lot more of time then to do meal planning, um, to you know make strategies, and you get more out of that consult as well. You know, it can feel like a bit more of a safer space too sometimes, I hope, at least. So you also do some patient advocacy works, all right? So before I qualified as a dietitian, when I was doing, you know, part-time for that year, I did some patient advocacy training. Uh, with a company called Health Commons, which was absolutely amazing. And that completely changed the way that I communicate to clients. So I use that experience a lot now in consults because it's helped me because often as a health professional, I guess you can get into the pattern of seeing someone new in clinic and you do a set, you do an assessment on them. And from that, you know, you can pretty much see in your head, bam, bam, bam. If we take X, Y, and Z actions, we'll get them towards this goal and get them feeling better. However, as a health professional, we've actually got to take a step back because this isn't our health journey, it's our client's health journey. So we've got to make sure that we put our clients in the front seat and actually see what their goals are and how they'd like to move forward. I guess now in clinic, how that helps me is I always check in and make sure where my clients want to go and, you know, with their health journey, you know, how you can get that person proactive, basically making people proactive on their health journey because, you know, it's so common to, you know, when we start to interact with the medical system to, you know, we get a diagnosis and we just go along the set treatment journey. So we see X specialists, we take X medications, we go to the next person, we do their strategies. And often we can be so overwhelmed, so tired that we don't actually then take that step back and think, where do I want to go? Where do I want to be with my health? You know, where do I want to stabilize my health? Do I want to improve my health? Um, how many treatments do I want to be doing? What can I fit in with my life? And what sort of future health symptoms am I actually working towards mitigating? Because if we think about those sorts of things and um, you know what actual capacity for change we have in our life, we're able to narrow down what strategies would be most effective for us. So instead of just going around and feeling like we're stabbing in the dark, which I know is what I felt a lot when I first started my health journey, like you're just going from one person to another, not really 100% um, not that you're not committing to things, but just kind of going around so many people and spreading yourself so thin that you're not doing some of the most simplest and most nourishing things for your body. So actually taking time to rest, having fun, 
um, working on those nutrition, you know, basic nutrition things, movement, which can make such a big impact and sleep as well. Sleep is absolutely important, which can make um, some of the biggest impacts on your health journey too. In some cases, obviously we do need medications and other treatments, but um, you know, making sure they're right for you and the practitioners that you're working with are taking you in a direction of where you want to go. And are there any big red flags that we should look out for when we're seeing whether it's a doctor or allied health professional? Um, as corny as it sounds, use your gut feeling. So, so make sure you look out for those health professionals that do listen to you. They don't cut you off mid-sentence and they take account of where you want to go and incorporate that into their plan for you. Um, you don't want to be seeing someone who you feel like you're just, um, you know, you can't speak up for what you want and what you need on your health journey and um, someone who's not flexible in their approach or you feel like that doesn't fit. I guess if you've got a specific health condition, um, you know, if a health professional says, oh, I don't know anything about that condition and they're not really willing to find anything out, then that's also, of course, another huge red flag. Yeah, so something that I really love doing for myself and also recommending that my clients do is seeing if you can get some sort of discovery call with a professional that you're going to see. So saying that this is a lot more easier with allied health professionals and alternative health professionals. A lot of them who work themselves do, like I know I offer a free 15 minute discovery call, but even with a specialist, if you can scope them out beforehand somehow. So ideally, if you manage to get a discovery call with someone, you can ask them, hey, I've got this condition. I want to improve my health, but I want to do it A, with X, Y, Z or without doing X, Y, Z. And, you know, this is my situation with treatments and medications. And then you can ask them some qualifying questions. So, you know, um, and this is from Health Commons as well. We covered, um, this was part of the course I learned with them. But, you know, um, have they treated clients like you before? How long do they think it will take for you to improve using their methods? Um, how much do you think it would cost? And, you know, how many treatments do you think you need over what period of time? So you can get all of that background information to see, A, will this take you in the right direction? And two, do you actually have a capacity to work with them and take on their approach? So um, I find that really helpful. And for specialists, what I recommend for clients is even going on local Facebook groups and asking people. So I know particularly for EDS, there's some awesome Facebook groups that are emerging that are location specific. So I know Brisbane has their own EDS Facebook group, and that's an absolutely amazing place just to say, hey, guys, I'm after a rheumatologist. I'm looking to get diagnosed. Who would you recommend who you've seen? So by then you can actually qualify. OK, X, Y, Z people, you know, a couple of people have seen this rheumatologist and they had a really good approach. They listened to them, um, you know, and so you feel safe and confident going to see them. Or, you know, that could even work for any health professional. But um, I really like recommending those things as just a place to advocate for yourself. And this last question might be a bit hard for you to answer, but is there like kind of one bit of general advice that you would give to anyone with a chronic illness? I know it's kind of broad because there's about a million chronic illnesses, but is there one like key nutritional thing that you think everyone should be thinking about? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. So regular balanced meals is what I tell everyone as a starting point. That's where I start with everyone and how, um, if that's somewhere that they want to go, that's where we start working. Because if you're not getting, you say, three regular meals, you might need more, um, you might need more snacks in there. 
And if they're not being balanced out with some proteins, carbs, fats, and fiber, so that's what the balance means, then it's going to be really hard to meet your nutritional needs, but also regulate blood sugar levels, which is what's so important for helping to manage symptoms, but also maintaining stable energy, mood, and concentration across the day. Yeah. So that and making sure you're hydrated. So if someone wanted to find you or book an appointment with you, where should they go? Um, on social media, I've got an Instagram page, which is hypermobility.dietitian. And that's where I post a lot about, well, I guess, nutrition for EDS and other hypermobility related conditions. But in, for consults, I also have a website, which is www.savvydietetics.com.au. And that's where people can book consults. And of course, I do offer free um, 15 minute phone calls to start with. And I'm also in the process at the moment of bringing out some online courses. So um, to help make dietetics more accessible for people with chronic illness, just short self-paced programs about pain points that I often see in clinic and how to start to work around them. And, and then key symptoms that you need to look out for to go and see health professionals. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to get our episodes each week and leave a review if you are enjoying the podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sigibit Podcast and Instagram at Sigibit underscore podcast. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.